Hello, church. I want to wish all of you a happy new year. Here we are at the beginning of 2019. There's always something exciting about starting something new, even a new year. It kind of feels like we get another chance to do it over. Maybe 2018 was a year you'd like to forget. I can totally relate. And even though the only thing that has really changed is the last digit of the year that we're in, it still feels like an opportunity for a new beginning. I don't know if you need a new beginning, but I believe right now is the perfect opportunity to create one. And you know what I've discovered? New starts don't happen just because the date changes, but because we're purposeful about making a new start. Today, we have an opportunity to put into motion the changes we want to see in our life. We can talk about losing weight, eating better, stopping certain habits, or forming new healthy ones, or instead of talking, we can actually take a step in the right direction. Today, I wanna to do something different as we kick off this new year. In just a few minutes, your campus pastor is gonna tag team teach with me, and he's gonna share his heart for you at your campus. So each campus will hear a specific message geared directly toward you. But before they come take the stage, I wanna begin this year by challenging you to consider the kind of progress that you can make in a few areas. I'm sure you're already thinking about things you wanna get in order in regards to your health or budget or time. But as your pastor, I wanna challenge you in another way as we begin this year. I wanna ask, what are you putting into motion that will enhance your spiritual life in 2019? I wanna always call you to take your next step in your spiritual journey of faith. I feel like that is one of my primary roles in leading this incredible church community. So I wanna challenge you in regards to three areas of your life that maybe you've left off your list of resolutions. The first one is this, what is your plan to connect more with God in 2019? You know, if you don't make a plan for time with God, it'll never happen. We're all so busy and when we're not busy, let's face it, we're filling our lives with all kinds of other things, social media, news, TV, and more. So I ask, what plan do you have in place to connect with God on a personal level? And I would encourage you to consider that, have a plan. Set aside time maybe early in the morning before the kids get up or after you get them off to school. But whatever you do, find some time to maybe read your Bible in some way or, or take time to pray each day and watch what it'll do to your faith this year. The second question I wanna ask is this, what is your plan to connect more with your church in 2019? I think sometimes we see our church as an option more than necessity. But I truly believe that being part of a community like this is necessary for us to live the life that God has called us. You are a necessary part of this church. And I wonder if for some of you, maybe simply committing to be faithful, to come every weekend that you can in 2019, might move your life in a positive direction. Maybe for some of you, it's getting connected into a small group so you can build a real relationship within this community. Whatever it is, would you consider taking a step to be more engaged with your church in 2019? And lastly, what is your plan to discover your purpose in this year? I think the worst thing that can happen is that another year passes us by and we're still no closer to knowing what God wants to do through us. One of the best ways you can begin to find your purpose 
is to make yourself available so God can use you any way possible. I'm a pastor today, but it's because I was willing to do whatever God needed me to do in the church in the past. I served in any capacity, and what it did was it opened a door for me to discover my purpose. And I believe God can do the same thing with you this year. So as we begin a new year, I want to encourage you, take a step that will change your life spiritually and practically. And I believe that if we all do this together, we're going to see real growth in our lives in 2019. And so as we begin this new year, I wanted you to get an opportunity to hear from your campus pastor. And I believe that being a campus pastor is one of the hardest roles in a church. And yet it's also one of the most rewarding. And rather than focus their time and energy in preparing messages like I do, they can spend their time getting to lead and serve each and every one of you. And I know this, they both have a heart for people and truly love you all. And so would you do me a favor? Would you really show some love to your campus pastor as he takes the stage to share with you today? Well, come on, Lancaster, are we ready? We excited? Hey, why don't you turn to the person beside you, and if you're new, you're like, this is awkward already, but turn to the person beside you and look him right in the eye. I'm going to wait. You're looking at me. Turn to the person right to your left and just tell them, say, hey, I have waited all week to sit beside you. Church. Turn to the other person you just ignored and look him right in the eyes, and you know what I'm going to say. Tell them, say, you need a breath mint. There you go. There you go. I don't know about you, but I think church should be a place where we have fun. I think we should be the most joyful people on the planet. So can we just make a pact to have some fun today? Are you good with that? You good with that? Some of you, you've been here for years, and you're like, I don't know what's happening. There's a living human being that is speaking to me, the message. And uh, it's like, woo, they're excited. The grinders are ready. Hey, uh, before we get uh, started, I do want to, I know Joey mentioned this. Can we go to our worship team real quick? Just every week leading us into the presence of God. And I do want to make welcome every first-time guest. Can we give it up for everybody that's new in the place? If you came here, uh, a couple things. Number one, you might be wondering what all is going on. We are one church, two locations. This doesn't usually happen. Usually you have the privilege of hearing our lead pastor, Pastor Tim, that you just saw uh, coming through the screen. And so if today you're new and you hate it, just come back uh, because we usually have a different preacher. And, um, and he's awesome, and, but we just want to say welcome. This is the kind of place, just so you know, where if you've served Jesus for 50 years, that's amazing. If you've served him for 50 seconds, that's amazing. If you're still checking out this whole Jesus thing all together, this church was actually created just for people like you. And this is the kind of place where you believe before you belong, uh, can I, or belong before you believe. I'm getting that mixed up, but yeah, you belong before you believe. However you came into this place, you're welcome. Can I get an amen? Amen. You are welcome into this place. And uh, my name's Russ. I'm the campus pastor. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you, I'd love to meet you afterwards and get a chance to, to know you. And, you know, I said this, this is my first time preaching, sharing from the platform. So thank you to Pastor Tim and thank you to you for allowing me to share with you. And um, I, thank you also, uh, about a month ago, I was able to share from Lithopolis and I heard you, heard your support, felt your support from there. And I just got to tell you though, that they were a pretty jazzed up crowd. They were pretty fired up. They were pretty rowdy, but I just have a suspicion that you got even more in the tank. Um, the silence didn't encourage me there. I got a suspicion that you can get even rowdier than the Lithopolis crew. 
And so I just want to invite that and welcome that. And uh, I'm somebody that loves to tell stories, but the old timers used to say statements like this, so you can just bear with me. But I feel like preaching today. Um, I, I feel like God's given me a word for you. And so maybe you're, you're brand new and you don't even know what all that means. You don't know what you believe about the Bible. I just want you to know that I believe you're not here by accident. Uh, you're, you're here for a reason, and, and we hope that no matter what you believe when you walk out of this place, that you feel more encouraged and inspired, and that just perhaps God is up to something in your life. Uh, we today are in the first Sunday of a brand new year. Why don't you turn to your neighbor one more time and just tell him, say, you don't look older. Just tell him, say, you look younger. You look thinner already, already in 2019. But the premise of today is simple. The premise of today is this, and, and if you're ready, and, and I told them, I've told you, I really not only believe that there is an effectiveness when we all engage in the Word of God together, I believe there's a power when we take notes. And so I want to encourage you, somebody wise once said that note takers are history makers, and I want to encourage you to take notes and let God seal that in your heart. The premise today is simple, and it's this. It's no matter what debris you're leaving behind in the new year, God is wanting to build something new, powerful, and special inside of you in 2019. No matter what, you may have a lot of wreckage you're leaving behind. I know in a crowd this size that there might be divorce in the yesterdays of your life. There might be extreme loss. There might be just disappointment. There might be, you know, sometimes in life you just have a low-grade disappointment in seasons. I, I don't know where 2019 lands with you, and I know this may sound preacher talk, but it's not. I want you to know. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be a bed of roses in 2019, but what I do believe is this. God is in the business of building something brand new and special and powerful in your life and my life in this year. Do I have any builders in the house, by the way? Any construction workers? Man, Dustin, you can thank him for those beautiful lights outside, by the way, him and the Myers. Any other construction workers? Hey, here's what I know. There's two types of people in the world. There's the people that walk into Lowe's and Home Depot and feel right at home. And then there's people like me. that walk into Lowe's and look around for five seconds and think, I don't belong. And I immediately feel debilitatingly insecure. And, and, and you know what's too, like, I don't know, like, if you're a Lowe's or Home Depot person, but I, the thing that I hate, too, they can always tell. They can always tell. Like, I'll walk in, and I'll look around, and I'm like, I just came here because I need to put some windows in. I, I need to put the blinds in, and I'm looking for some sort of screw. I don't really know what it is. And I'll look around, and they can always tell. The workers will come over, sir, you, you okay? You, do you need any help? And I always feel the, the need to lie, to be honest. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just looking for a new hacksaw. And they're like, Sir, why do you need a new hacksaw? Well, I'm, I, I'm tearing out the rest of the 96 gutters from, uh, from my property. Sir, why do you need a hacksaw to tear out gutters? Leave me alone, you know. So there's, there's, there's people that walk into a Lowe's or Home Depot and feel confident. And there's people like me that walk in and feel completely insecure. But as cheesy as it sounds, I want you to know God's not insecure about what he's building in you this year. Uh, the Bible says that we're the workmanship of, of God. We were built and created by God. God, just so you know, is a builder. Whether you want to go all the way back to the beginning and he built the universe from scratch, or you want to go all the way to the New Testament where Jesus came to earth, took on flesh and blood, and he was literally a carpenter by his earthly job, God is a builder and especially is building lives and building people. And I just want to give you just good news right up front. Uh, God is not only in the specialty business of building, he's in the specialty business of rebuilding. So maybe you're in the room. To, I just want you to know not to be all spiritual. I walked this room last night, and I prayed for you. 
I prayed for marriages that would be in this room that feel like they're hanging on by a thread, that before you ever leave this place, you would sense a spark of hope that God can restore and rebuild anything. That it doesn't matter what goes on in your life, God is a rebuilder. And so two things, if you're taking notes, that I want us to talk about today. And the first thing that I believe God is committed to building is this. God is committed to building your house. Can you just turn to your neighbor and just one more time, last time, tell him, say, God is committed to building your house. Proverbs 14, 11 says this. It says, lives of careless wrongdoing are tumble-down shacks, but holy living builds soaring cathedrals. Isn't that good? I'll just, I'll just clap myself. <laughs> tumble-down shacks and holy cathedrals. I just want you to know, if you're wondering, what does God have planned for my 2019? God has planned soaring cathedrals. God has planned building a life in you that lasts, a life in you that soars, and a life in you that shines. And there's a lot of areas we can go of, okay, how do we build? Um, Because I don't know if you realize this, uh, but you're always building something. Do you know that? You're, You're always building towards Something. Anybody like me, maybe you've had a year where you, you walk through the year and you look and you realize, man, I was just throwing stuff in a junkyard. <laughs> like anybody just had a year, just be honest, where you just, it was a year of survival, right? Any honest people in the room? You just had a year, you get through the year and you've just been kind of, or, or I love how Kevin said last week, sometimes maybe you, you've, you've had a year where you, you've watched a habit turn into an addiction and you, you thought you were just building harmless moments of pleasure and you look back six months later and realize you built a prison and you're stuck behind it and now you're wondering how am I ever going to get out what let me here's a good question if nothing else this is a good question just sometimes the greatest thing you can do through the week is just walk through questions here's a question what have you been building in 2018 what financial 2013 through 20 five years what financial house have you been building what kind of emotional house have you been building? Can I tell you a, a, my scariest house story ever? Is that okay? Oh, okay, that wasn't enough affirmation, so I'll just move forward. Do you want to hear my scariest house story ever? Okay, okay. So I'll never forget my senior year of high school. Um, I was, uh, you know that stage where you're, you're, not, you're not unconscious yet, but you're conscious enough to where your eyelids are flickering, you're just stupid? You know, you know that in-between consciousness stage? Anybody? Okay, so I'm in that stage. I'm like, not asleep, but kind of asleep. I'm in that, that no man's land where you're, you're seeing unicorns. And I remember I was, uh, I was in downstairs in my parents' house, senior year high school. Summer just hit, and uh, I was in that stage. And while I'm falling asleep, TV's off, no noise, just my parents upstairs. I hear in a terrifying whisper, you're not alone in the house. I thought to myself, this is the worst nightmare I've ever had. And, and then it got louder. You're not alone in the house. I sat straight up. Some of you are going to have nightmares tonight. I looked around. And then I heard louder. You're not alone in the house and you're going to die. So. I froze. God. Like. Uh, who. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. My life, you know, those moments of your life flash before your eyes. And then all of a sudden I hear a blood-curdling scream. I mean, the loudest scream I've ever heard in my life come from what felt like right outside the windows. 
I bolt upstairs. Oh, yeah, I bolt upstairs. I love, I love to tell you, I just grabbed five guns from under the couch. But I bolt upstairs, lock the door, and I run to the phone um, to, to, to call 911. My, I, I'm running up the stairs so hard, my parents, my, my, my dad jumps out of bed. Russ, what are you doing? So I said, there's a killer downstairs, and we're calling 911. I said, I don't know what's happening, but I think 23 people just got murdered in our basement, and I'm calling 911. He goes, no, 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 son, just hold on. Let's slow down. Wait, we, we don't know what's going on. I said, oh, I'm telling you what's going on. There's a murderer downstairs, and a ghost, and a demon, and a zombie, and a werewolf all together downstairs. Nine people just lost their lives and we're calling the cops don't distract me one more minute I'm calling them right now and he says no 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 no, just hold on he goes I'll go down there so then fried or flight like crept in and I was like no no no. well I'm not letting my my dad get murdered I was like all right so I grabbed a kitchen knife grabbed a kitchen knife what am I going to do I grabbed a kitchen knife I walked downstairs we're looking in every cubby every corner everything we can can't find the killer an hour later you know we find out what it was I'm just going to tell you that I was so angry. <laughs> Grace, you got to keep it under control back there, all right? We got to, um, this was back in the day of CDs, and there was a hidden track. 30 minutes after the last song on the CD, it was Newfound Glory. Newfound Glory. It was the Newfound Glory track. Any punk rock fans in the house? Are you too holy? So sorry. When you don't listen to worship, any punk rock fans in the house? Uh, oh, okay. There we go. There we go. So I was at the, at the end of this track. I was so angry. Pastor, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Not a lot, but but but. But what I want you to know is that God is in the business of building your house, and he doesn't want it to be haunted. He wants it to be filled, powerful, on fire, and he has got a plan for me and you. And there's so many ways we could go with this of how God builds our house, but I want to give you two basic things really quick. You ready? You ready to take notes? Number one is this, our words. I want you to write down our words. I don't know if you know this, but our words have more impact than we ever understand. Our words have more impact than we ever understand. I, I know this sounds really stupid. I've never talked about this publicly, but if you're okay just to be my counselor for a moment. I don't know why I was thinking about this the other night. But when I was in elementary school, I had this bully of a girl, Eddie. You know what she told me? I, I, this bully of a girl. She told me, she goes, Rush, your nose is pointy. She told me that. And I, I think, I, th- I, th- I mean, you know, I was in third grade. I was like, well, you're... Hair's fluffy, you know, or something stupid. So, and then went in the corner, like, what? <laughs> you know, like, but as funny as it is, you know, that, I didn't realize until 10 years later that that affected me. And you know, I noticed, because she said from the right side, so don't look at it, but from the right side, she says pointy, but from the left side, it's not. You know her words, I know that sounds so stupid, but I know you have something similar that you would just never tell anybody. You know, I was in, um, I got into middle school and high school, and when I would go on dates with girls, I would literally sit on their right side. I would find reasons. I, I, I would, they would sometimes, like, there was two seats, and then they would sit this side, be on this side, and I'd get up, I'd go, hey, I'm going to go get a Coke or wait. Hey, would you switch real quick? I feel like you'd be safer. I'd keep you more safe if you're on that side. And so we just, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. But look, I did that all through middle school, high school. And college probably still do it today. You don't, don't even realize that when I'm on somebody's side, I will get on their right side. As stupid as that sounds, I think we all know words matter. Words have power. Because here's, I also remember when, 
God got a hold of my life and my youth pastor let me preach. And I remember when I started sensing the call of God on my life and people started affirming that and shaping my life and said, Russ, we see the hand of God on your life. We see an anointing when you preach. We see this ability in you to inspire. And that stuck with me and shaped my life. I remember the good, and I remember the people in my life that chose not to be a part of my life and how I had to fight to not let that define me, that rejection or that insecurity. And I remember the moments, this sounds so stupid, I'll tell you, since I'm just telling you stupid stuff for you to judge me later, I'll tell you this too. I was in ninth grade French class. I think I failed. But I remember, for whatever reason, the teacher loved me. And I'll never forget one time I... uh, I got up to, I said, hey, can I go to the water fountain real quick and leave class? And she said, sure. And um, I remember I got up, I, I was laughing about something because I was always, those that know me, I just, I laugh all the time. I was laughing about something. Who knows what it was? And she stopped me. She goes, you know, Russ, she said, and I know that sounds really stupid. She goes, you have the most beautiful smile. She said, whatever you go through in life, don't ever lose it. I know nowadays she'd probably be arrested for saying something like that, but. And I was like, ah, whatever. And I went out into the, to, to the hall. I was like, thank you so much. Like, you know, like, uh, and, and I'm, a, I'm a words of affirmation. That's my love language. But so for me, even more. And, and, but if you think back to your life, there's probably things much deeper than that that you still remember from childhood. A dad that said, I'm leaving. A loved one that says, I don't love you. Someone that said, you're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. You're going to be just like your dad. You're, maybe it's lies that you still hear the enemy whisper. You're never going to get past this. You're never going to get over this. You're never going to be pretty enough, smart enough, good enough, talented enough. Good, you're never going to be good enough for God. We still have, See, here's what I've come to realize. I understand the power of words to injure my spirit or shape my life when I receive them, but sometimes it's easier for me not to pay attention to the power of words when I shape or injure others. And did you know every day we build our lives with the words we choose? We build our lives with the words that we choose. Proverbs 14 says it this way, and the Bible doesn't exaggerate. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Did you know that? When I was a student pastor, I used to to ask students, hey, what do you think the most powerful weapon in the universe is? And they'd start with the atom bomb and the nuclear bomb, and then I'd have them all do something cheesy that I want you to have you do. I'd have them stick out their tongue, grab their tongue, ah. And I'd say, you just held the most powerful weapon in the entire universe. Every war that's ever started, start with words. Every love that's ever happened, happened with words. Proverbs 14 says, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Did you know every day in my relationships, I am brick by brick, either building walls of death or worlds of life? In marriages, in friendships, in parenting. You ever walked into a house that you can just tell is full of life? You ever, you ever just walked, I've walked into homes, and maybe it's just a ministry thing, I've done this long enough, I can tell. I've walked into homes and been able to tell people speak life in this home. Spouses speak encouragement. They speak sources of hope, and they speak life over one another. They speak beauty to one another. The parents, they're affirming to their children. They're loving towards their children. They tell them the truth. They discipline them. They, they speak life. You can walk into a place and know if life is being spoken in there because the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I've also walked into homes that I can just sense there's negativity and critique and harsh judgment spoken to one another. The power of life and death is in the tongue. I want you to know, we build our lives with the words we choose. If you want to be choosy how you build in 2019, be choosy with the words that you choose. Food for thought later. How did God create the world? 
I mean, if you believe in the Genesis account, it's fascinating to think God didn't build the universe with his hands. He didn't put the stars in place with his hands. He built the world and the universe with his tongue. He said, let there be light. Now, I know what you're thinking. I wish that we could speak it into existence just as much as he. Million dollars. Bam. And while we can't do that, can I tell you this? God created his world with his words, and so do you and so do I. We create our world with the words that we choose. What kind of words are you choosing? What kind of words are you choosing to speak to your family and over your family and about your family? Hey, here's a good one. Here's one we forget. What kind of words are you speaking over yourself? You know, one day I was doing that self-defeating talk. Y'all are quiet. Is it because you relate or you bored? Do I need to give you coffee? Hey, anybody, anybody start with self-defeating talk like me sometimes? You can have 20 people tell you something great, and all you can think about is the way you screwed up. And I remember one time a few years ago, I was like, oh, man, I'm just always going to screw up with this. I'm always going to screw up with that. And I heard God speak to me and say, stop bullying yourself. Would you speak to anybody else that way? Then stop speaking to yourself that way. You know what? I've, maybe you hate my preaching. Can I tell you, I saved my best preaching for myself. I'm telling you, my best preaching is for me. If you ever see me riding down the road sometimes and I'm just going like this, I promise you I'm not cussing out the person in front of you, I hope. But, um, but uh, let's keep it real. But, but, um, but I'm probably preaching a message to myself because sometimes I have to interrupt the devil's messages to me and i got to redirect it and speak life over myself. i got to do what David said. Remember when David was in the worst season of his life? The whole village had been captured and people were about to stone him and the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes i got to speak life over me. i got to look at myself in the mirror. And like David said, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Russ, Jesus is with you. God is at the bottom of this. you got faith for this. Russ, your best days are ahead and not behind. Russ, your future is full of hope and promise and a future. And you know what? Like, I know that i got things i got to work on. I know there's obstacles. I'm not denying the facts, but I know that God is greater than any of that, and greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I'm going to speak life over my future. I know the plans and promises I have for you, soul, says the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future not to harm you. you got to speak life. I want to promise you this by the grace of God. I'll never speak anything but life over this campus. By the grace of God, I'll never speak anything but life over you. Oh, we're going to keep getting better, and there's issues we're going to keep confronting, and and God's going to keep growing me and growing you and growing this campus. But let me tell you something. Our best days are ahead. And I want to speak over you that it doesn't matter what you're walking through today. Can I just build you up for a moment? God's plans and promises for you will come to pass. And there is nothing you're facing that is harder and stronger than the power of God and the grace of God. And we got to look at the words we're choosing to speak over our lives. And number, number one, our words. Number two, God's words. Is this helping anybody? <laughs> Jesus said this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I want to read you the message translation of this. I love this. Anybody ever read the message translation? A few of you. Okay. All right. Do we have it? Let's read the message translation. Where is it? I'm seeing mirrors of myself everywhere. It's really weird. Okay, here we go. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Don't you love that? They're not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. 
Let's keep going. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house, rain poured down, the river flooded, or or tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. I I love how honest Jesus is in this passage because you might hear somebody like me and you're like, okay, that sounds great, but I live in the real world. I love that Jesus did not say that rains won't come. Anybody live long enough to know that just because you choose to follow Jesus doesn't mean life's a bed of roses? There will be disappointments. The rains, the troubles, disappointments, betrayals, lies, hard days, hardship, those things will come. Jesus doesn't promise you won't have rain, you won't have storms. This might even be a year where it floods. Didn't come to church for you to encourage me in that way, Pastor Russ, but awesome. I feel great. But this is life we're living in. This is a fallen world. There are years even where it doesn't just rain. There are years where there are years where the low-grade temptation rises up like a demon in your face. Anybody ever experienced that? There, there are years where, where a cough turns into a diagnosis. There are years where you bury the love. Jesus doesn't say, say rain will come. What he says is you can build a foundation so solid that after the rain comes through, you're still standing. And there's a house and there's a foundation. And he says the way you do this is to integrate this word into your life. And I love how the beginning of the passage, he, does, he says these are not incidental additions. I've had people ask me in the, the few months that I've been here, and i got to go quick because I'm running out of time, and I'm long-winded, and you're being really good and polite. But people have asked, Russ, what is your heart for? And I, I said this when I preached from Lithopolis. My, my job is not to reinvent vision. My vision is Pastor Tim's vision, which is that we help people get on the path to God, and we reach everyone, no matter how far from God they are, we get them here. But, you know, me, him, and Pastor Zach have been talking about you and talking about our hearts for you. And can I just tell you personally my heart for this campus? And this has been my heart ever since... God got a hold of somebody as messed up as me. And that's that the word of God is not an incidental addition to your life, but the very foundation integration of your life. Not incidental, not a Sunday snack. You know, I I love all the different ways that the word of God describes itself. Uh, Paul said in Romans, it's like a sword, a double-edged sword, sharper than two-edged sword. It pierces. You know, Paul says every day when you walk out, put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Some of us are beat up when we go into the world because we literally don't have the sword out of the scabbard. Is that it? Sheath. The sheath. The sword's not out of the sheath. (laughs) I'm a swordsmith. But... Yeah, in another place, uh, a thing is in Psalm 119, David describes it as honey. That the word of God, any of you, if you've been in the word of God long enough and you've had sleepless, lonely nights, the word of God is sweet to the taste. Uh, there's other t- James said it this way. James describes the word of God as a mirror. And he says, when you look into it, um, it's, it's like somebody that, that hears the word but doesn't do the word. It's somebody like, that's like hears a, sees a mirror but doesn't do anything about it. But I love, of all the different things that the Bible describes the word of God as, I love that Jesus says, this is your bread of life. This is the bread of life. Pastor Russ, and I hope you know, this isn't any kind of, this is not a, a guilt. This is out of love for you, if I can encourage you one thing. It's this. Sunday mornings are awesome. But when the floods come, if you're only eating once a week, 
and you're only getting a Sunday snack, it is not going to be enough to sustain you when the floods of life come and beat against the house. And if I could encourage you anything, cult, Pastor Russ, what's, what's your prayer for this campus? My prayer, I got a lot of prayers. One of them is that everyone in this place, even if you're brand new to Jesus and you're just starting to check out this whole thing, eventually everyone in this place cultivates an insatiable appetite for this book, for the words of God. I want to tell you, this moment I love, but you know the highlight of my day tomorrow is going to be tomorrow morning when I get up and I pour my bougie coffee and I put on my favorite worship playlist in the background and I brought, bring out my journal and I bring this out and I feast on the promises of God and I let his presence fill that kitchen in my apartment off Gender Road and I let God pour in me. Russ, oh, you're such a great Christian. I heard somebody tell me, Russ, say, Russ, you must be so strong if you do that every day. I said, no, I'm just really weak. You must be strong because I know me. I know how jacked up and screwed up I am. I know how weak I am. I know that if I don't daily come to the table of grace and feast on the promises of God and let his presence pour into my life and let his grace be the new wind in my sails and let his anointing fill my life, I'm a goner. And my prayer for you, Russ, I, I, I don't know what I'm reading when I read this. You won't always. So somebody wrote into a newspaper one time, and they said, and, and the pastor was the editor, this is like 50 years ago in England, and they said, dear sir, why should I read the Bible? I have, or no, they said, why should I even come to church? They said, I've heard 2,316 sermons my whole life, each Sunday, and I don't remember one of them. And the pastor wrote back and said, well, dear sir, my wife has cooked me 2,316 meals, and I don't remember one of them, but I'm glad I ate. Can I tell you something? There's going to be moments God speaks to you and you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to illumine this book that he wrote. And Revelation is going to pour out the pages. It's going to be like heaven took a highlighter. There's going to be other days you're like, I don't even understand what I, but can I, I can promise you this. You daily start building bricks of your life. By the end of 2019, you're going to look back and say, I may not have understood everything. There's days I don't even know what I, the heck I got out of that. And if you need help, hey, I just want to give everybody in the room, if you're open to a challenge, a 15-minute challenge. Spend 15 minutes in the morning with Jesus. If you need a starting place, get an, a New Living Translation. If you need a Bible, I'll buy you a Bible. New Living Translation, message. You go to Version app on your phone. Just make a non-negotiable before I ever. Anybody have people frustrate you during the day? All the liars that didn't put their hands up, I'm going to give you one more chance. Anybody have any people frustrate you during the day? Can I give you just a little, little nugget? Make it a goal not to meet with any person before you meet with God. Let him pour into you. 15 minutes a day that you let Jesus build this into your life. I'm just telling you, it will change you forever. And then we're closing. Um, i got to go quick. You doing Okay. You doing okay? You're encouraged? You feel encouraged? God's going to build your life this year. Turn to your neighbor. Say, God's going to build your life this year. Through, turn to your other neighbor. Say, through your words and God's words. Anybody like me going to choose words of life this year? Anybody like me going to build your life on this book? And if you need, if you need a practical handle, I know somebody a long time ago that was super negative. They'd always complain or they'd always critique, and they got a rubber band and put it on their wrist for a month. It was a, they, they called it a speak life band, and anytime they complained or cussed, I know none of you have ever cussed, anytime they complained, it was 
too nervous of laughter. Anytime you complain or cuss or speak inappropriately or, or whatever it might be that you don't speak life, they just gave themselves. I mean, they had wounds on their wrists after a month. And we know it's the grace of God that changes us from the inside out, but sometimes there can be some practical things to build new habits. Hey, you, Aristotle said it this way, we build our habits and then our habits build us. God wants to build brand new lives inside of me and you. And the words we speak and the words we build our lives on can create a completely new landscape for the rest of your future. Did you know that? That is not hype. That's true. Tell your neighbor, say it's true. Tell him, say, skinny jeans knows what he's talking about. <laughs> God is committed. <laughs> That's enough. God is committed. You, you, you better play so I shut up. I love you. God is committed to building your house, and then God's committed to building this house, his house. You can get better amen than that. God's committed to building his house. God is on the move here at Lancaster. Um, you know Jesus was a teenager once. Isn't that crazy? And we usually just picture him as a baby in swaddling clothes. Or we picture him when he's older and he's starting his ministry and he's doing miracles and he's going to the cross. But you know, Jesus was a teenager once and his parents lost him. Isn't that crazy? Encouragement for every parent in the room that's lost their kid at Disney World or Walmart. At least you never lost Jesus. Can you imagine? You go to pray. I don't feel good praying. God, I lost your son. I, you know, I, they lost him. And when they finally found him, Jesus had been in the house of God. And, and they said they were frustrated with him. But Jesus was surprised that they didn't know where he would be. He said, didn't you know I'd be about my father's house? One time he got so passionate about his father's house, he, he got really passionate about some people inside that were exploiting people instead of making it a house of prayer. And, and when the disciples saw the reaction of Jesus, they quoted the psalmist, which was prophetic about Jesus. And you know what they quoted? One of my favorite verses in all scripture. They said, the disciples thought about Jesus, this verse from Psalms, which says this, for the zeal for my father's house has consumed me. One of the things I want to be said about me is I don't know about that weird skinny jeans guy. Because anybody that gets to know me, I, I'm so flawed. I got so many imperfections. But one thing about me is I am passionate. I'm an all-in person. And I love the word zeal because zeal is one word above passion. And when they looked at Jesus, one of the things they said about him, they said, zeal for the house of God consumes that guy. See, Jesus didn't have a casual attitude about his father's house. He didn't have a casual, uh, you know, if the weather's just right, and I know I'm preaching to the crowd, but just, you know, you know um, I don't know, today's a little rainy. You know, Joey, I heard that he's not doing my favorite song that he did last week. You know, the one, Here Comes Heaven, where I got the chill bumps, and it was awesome, and you saw that, and we really felt God move, and, you know, the lights were just right, and it was really, really great. And then afterwards, we went to Brassica. You guys still haven't been there, but it's a Mediterranean place that you should really check out. And so then that was great. And then the people that usually greet me weren't there to greet me, and I noticed that this was going on. And so I don't know, like, today's just, you know, it's really sunny outside today, so it's a great. No, Jesus had no casual attitude when it came to the house of God. He was an all-in person. But you know what I think is maybe even more fascinating? Jesus also didn't have a critical attitude when it came to the house of God, which you would think if anybody would, it would be him. Holy Son of God. He, sometimes we falsely judge people's motives, which Scripture forbids. 
they're just doing it because of this. Oh, they're just doing it for applause. They're just doing it for money. And God says we're not allowed to do that because we don't know the motives of men's hearts. But Jesus actually knew the motives. You know who the leaders in the church were in Jesus' day? Pharisees. You better believe that Jesus had some opinions and Jesus had some convictions. But what's crazy is Jesus didn't have a casual attitude about his father's house and he didn't have a critical attitude about his father's house. The Bible says he went to the synagogue church in that day as was his custom. It was his passion. It was his zeal. And there's a story in Haggai that I don't have time to read you where the people of God God deals with his people in the Old Testament because they're busy building their own homes. They're busy serving their own interests. And God says, you wonder why everything that you've planted has come to nothing. And it's because my house lies in ruins while everybody's going about their own house. Can I give you some win-win-win news today? God's interested in building your house. He's interested in building his house. And when you allow him to use you to build his house, he'll build your house. Jesus says, if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all these other things will catch up. You know what I found out? Sometimes I catch blessings. But if I just chase God, if I just seek after him, if I just pursue him, the blessings follow me. Doesn't always go how I want it to. But when we build his house, he'll build our house. What does that look like? Can I just speak directly to this campus for a moment? As someone that for better or worse, God's entrusted. You know, I've been here four months. There's always two extremes, because let's just say it, 2018, maybe, maybe you're brand new, or maybe you've been here a while, and you know, this campus has been through it at times. It's had its, it's, had its journey, hasn't it? It's had its story. And uh, I think sometimes we can either live in the past, focus on the past, Or we can go the other extreme and just deny the past. I just want to take a moment in just a healthy way and just acknowledge that this campus has a story. And I want to say to anyone that a couple years ago, man, through any part of that story, I I just, I always think leadership should accept responsibility. And I just, I know there's so many lives that I just see represented changed in this room. But if you've been a part of any moment of transition in any church and you've ever been hurt, anybody know there's nothing there's no hurt worse than church hurt. And if you, if you ever want to go find hurt and find, you can skip around to different families, different churches all you want to, and you'll just find out until you meet Jesus. There's nothing perfect on the planet. But I just want to say to you, um, for anybody that's been around for a long time and there's been transition, I just want to say to you, some of you, uh, it's so cool. I meet people that have been here five, six, seven years, and it's just incredible. I just want to say to you, thank you. I want to say to you, thank you to everyone that's, hung in through transition, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. I want to say thank you that you've not let your spirit get bitter, but you've kept it sweet, and you've kept your eyes on Jesus. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to this team. I want to say thank you to Jenny and Central and the warriors in the trenches that believe that what Jesus died to give us the local church that a, not just a local church, but a healthy local church is the hope of the world, and to to Kelly and Jesse and to the new team. And I just want to tell you, since I came here uh, four months ago, there's been a lot of vision that I have in my heart. I, I got just by nature, uh, I'm a visionary, not in a, not in a good, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I just, uh, that's just the kind of person I am. And there's a ton of vision. But I think for me, one of the first things I've wanted to see God do is just bring just health 
And can I tell you, and, and I think that it, I've talked to so many of you out there and you said the same thing, we're feeling it. We're feeling the health in our team. We're feeling the health in our staff. Hey, next week is a big week in the house. It's the accept, expect something big weekend that you're not going to want to miss. There's going to be free t-shirts, by the way, so don't miss it. Next week is going to be one of the game-changing. But before we stepped even into a new season next week, I just wanted to take a moment and tell you that for this campus, and even for, maybe you even need to hear this for your life, because what's true about this campus is true for every life. Our scars, your scars, not only don't disqualify you from what God's doing, they actually qualify you for what God's doing. It is when we touch the scars of Jesus. Actually, your scars and make your story not less powerful, but more powerful. And can I tell you, if this campus has any scars, it doesn't make us less powerful. It makes us more powerful because our pain is only the platform for the next season of where God's taking us. And God, whether it's the children of Israel going through the wilderness or it's you walking through hell this past year, I just want to tell you and remind you over your life and over this campus that God actually uses transition to catapult us into the next thing he has. And eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor even entered our minds what God has prepared for us. So what is my heart? My, my heart over you is that every area of your life in 2019 just rises in health. I pray for you. I pray if you're married, your marriage rises in health. I pray spiritually you rise in health. I pray that emotionally you rise in health. I pray over your finances today. I just speak life over your finances today. That this may be the year you begin if you're not already putting God first, saving, getting on a plan, and watching God blow the lid off your life. I, my prayer for you is everyone under the sound of my voice that's not serving, that maybe you've been eating in the house for a while. And there comes a point, you know, when we're kids, we grow up and we eat in the house. I'm going really long. It's okay. Hey, what time is it? It doesn't matter. Um, but, you know, we, we grow up, we start eating in the house. There comes a point when you start growing up as a kid that you eventually, after you finish the pancakes, you start putting the dishes in the sink and you start serving the house. There comes a point when you grow up where you start contributing to the house and financially putting the kingdom of God first. Is this a guilt trip? No, I'm just inviting, I, we need nothing from you. We just want everything for you. And I just want it, anyone that has been stuck as a participant without skin in the game, I wanna invite you out of being a consumer, and I want to invite you into the more when you allow God to build his church through you. And I just speak over this campus that the best days are yet to come. Anybody? I speak over this campus that 2019 is going to be a game changer for you. What do I see? I see a campus filled with people lost and far from God that have had no hope, have no one to show them the way, and they walk into a place where for the first time in their life, the entire concept of church is redefined, and there's a people so loving that they dare to believe maybe even someone like me belongs. I see a church that is filled with the spirit and presence of Almighty God, that when people even walk on campus, they can sense something's different here. I see a campus where everybody's serving somewhere, and there aren't just 12 people in guest services greeting with smiles. There are 24 people in guest services so that when people walk in and bring their lost husband, sister, father, niece, friend, co-worker, there is an entourage of people to break down the walls and with the love of Christ pierce through the darkness in their 
lives and parking and greeting and kids. Everywhere I see an army of God's people rising up in this campus this year. I see God blessing this place numerically, but more than anything else, I see God continuing to rise the health. Because here's what I believe. Healthy things grow. And God wants your life to grow and my life to grow, and he wants to continue. I just, it has blown my mind what God has already done in this campus over the last four months. Nothing to do with me, everything to do with the faithfulness of God and what he's doing in you and through you. Anybody ready for that? If you'll clap loud enough, I'll let you go. If you'll stand on your feet and maybe even just shout a little bit, I'll let you know that's a cue. You can stand up on your feet and shout. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven and give God some praise and just say, Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Lord, you are better to us than we've ever deserved. We thank you for everything in the past. Hey, you know what I love it says at the end of Haggai? That that thing that I paraphrased, that old book in the Bible? It says, the glory of the latter house will be even greater than the glory of the former house. There's a much greater glory coming to this house than anything that's in our rear view. And God's committed to you and he's committed to me. It's probably four o'clock, so I'm going to pray. I love, I love you. Go eat some brassica. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your plans for this place, your plans for us, what you're doing in this house, what you're doing in this place. We commit, you are the shepherd of this house. And we ask you to lead us into a future greater than we ever dreamed. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.